glad that you are here. As Bert said, if you're a guest of ours, we are honored to have you here. Um, glad you chose to be with us this morning. You won't remember this, but the last week on Groundhog Day, I sort of joked that I was going to preach the same sermon as I did the week before. Um, I didn't do that, and you're not getting the same sermon today either, but if you're paying attention, you'll notice I am using the same graphic that I used last week, and I am using the same anchor text that I used last week. In fact, if you've been paying attention you should have noticed that we keep circling back to this same text in the last several weeks. So we're going to use it as the same launching spot uh, this morning as well. Acts chapter 2, the very end of that chapter. Luke tells us about what some of those very first Christians were up to. Here's what he says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." I've spent the last few weeks talking about some of the things that those very first Christians devoted themselves to, things that they decided were foundational to this brand new walk in Christ. And this morning, I want to go back and uh, kind of a, a part two, I guess, to last week's lesson. I want to spend another week talking about prayer. I'm going to tell you up front, this won't be the last sermon you hear on prayer uh, this year, but it is the second in a row, um, because I'm convinced if we're going to follow Jesus like He called us to follow Him, which I mean, that's a big word, if we're going to be disciples who make disciples, we're going to have to be more devoted to prayer than we've ever been before. So, I'm not apologizing for uh, a second week talking about our dependence on prayer, because it's an area of our walk with Jesus that we just, we got to get better at. And it kind of reminds me of um, a guy who called a lawyer one day, called him on the phone and said, how much money would you charge to answer three simple questions? The lawyer said, $1,000. The guy said, wow, that's, that's pretty expensive, isn't it? The lawyer said, it sure is. What's your third question? <laughs> My apologies to you lawyers in the crowd this morning, but... You know, we're kind of used to paying for information, right? We're, pay, we're used to paying to listening to people who know a lot more than we do. That's why there's such a thing as student loan debt, right? Because we pay to lean into someone else's expertise. We pay to have uh, um, conversations and get information and, and have connections to people who just know a lot more than we do and who can teach us. Now, here's the great thing about prayer. We don't have to pay to ask questions, and we don't have to pay for that conversation. It's not a free conversation, but we're not the ones that, that have to pay. And even the better thing about prayer is that we're not just asking things, and we're not just seeking information, we're not just performing some Christian discipline. We are actually entering into a relationship with God, 
Uh, it's actually quite simply, you know, prayers, really when you boil it down, it's a conversation with God, right? That's all it really is, is a conversation with God. And here's the thing about conversations. We have conversations all the time. You talk to people every day. You go to the store. You go to school. You go to work. You're at the bank. You're in line waiting to pick up the kids. You're at the gym. We have conversations all the time. Look at all the people who are glued to their phone wherever you go. They're, they're texting people. They're, they're talking to people. My kids text all the time. Why? Because they want to stay connected. They want to be connected to their friends. They want to know what's going on in their lives, what's happening, answer some, you know, what are you thinking? Kind of get a peek into their day. You might find this interesting. Ton of research done on this, talking about conversations. Adult men use, on the average, 7,000, 8,000 words a day. We men, we speak about seven to 8,000 words a day. Women, I'm not making this up, <laughs> 20,000. Two and a half times more. And again, there's a bunch of research and a bunch of data why those numbers are so tilted. If you ask your wife, she'll tell you she talks two and a half times more than you do because she has to repeat everything two or three times before we get it. And there is some truth to that. But we have conversations every day. So let's talk about the most important conversations that we have during the day, and that is our conversation with God. Paul writes it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We, we know this passage. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us to do three things that seem like they're impossible. I mean, these, these are three different things back to back to back that seem like they can't be done. Be joyful. Always. Always. Pray continually. Continually? Give thanks in every circumstance. Every circumstance? Be joyful always? Give thanks in every circumstance? Is that even possible? Come on. And then sandwiched in between there is pray continually. And I think he sandwiched it in there for a reason. Because I don't think we'll ever be able to be joyful always or, or give thanks in all situations unless we are praying continually. But even that, pray continually. Is that possible? Can we really pray continually? Or is, is this just you know hyperbole on Paul's part? I confess to you last week that you know I find myself guilty of just praying occasionally, sometimes praying sporadically, Praying continually, wow. Is that possible? Well, if prayer is just a conversation with God, and I think it is, let's think about some components that go into a conversation. Some things that go into a good conversation. And the first, obviously, is talking. Prayer, like any conversation, involves us talking to God. You tell Him about yourself. You tell Him what's going on in your life. You ask questions. You bring up difficult circumstances in your life. You ask for help on certain things. 
You tell him what you appreciate about him. You thank him for what he's done in your life. Those are things we would do every day in every conversation. And since he's family, and since he's our friend, we know that there's no sense being phony. There's no sense putting on some kind of pretense. That's just a waste of effort. Because God knows everything about us. He knows what our motives are. He knows what your heart really is. He knows that we like to make ourselves look better than we really are. He knows we're a lot more messed up than our social media posts would suggest. He knows all that about us. So when you talk to God, it's an honest conversation about your day, about your feelings, about your fears. You're expressing gratitude to Him. You share your victories. You ask questions. You might even complain a little bit. You know, read the Psalms, read the prayers of David. David wasn't hesitant to complain to God. God, what's going on? I don't get it. I don't think it's fair. Those are the kind of things that that David talked to God about. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus weighs in on on the subject of prayer, uh, especially public prayer. He says this, And now, about prayer. Let me tell you something about prayer. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, because your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. I think part of what Jesus is teaching in this passage is your conversations with God, they're very, very personal. Yeah, God knows what you need. God knows our heart. God knows our motives. Absolutely. But I think part of what Jesus is teaching here is, not only does God know As hard as it is for us to kind of wrap our minds around, God cares on a very personal level. God cares about my issues, and God cares about my struggles, and God cares about the things that cause me anxiety, and He cares about the things that I worry about. He appreciates it when I talk to Him about those things. Not only has He allowed me to have a conversation with Him, He's invited me into the conversation. He's encouraged me to have this conversation with him. But you know, I'm convinced that an awful lot of Christians have somewhere along the line just kind of concluded, but I'm not good at prayer. I'm just not. I know people are. I know it's important. But I'm just, I'm not good at prayer. I'm not one of those prayer warriors. I wish I was. I've tried it, but but I'm not. So... I don't pray very much. Think about this. If you're married, how would you like six months into your marriage for your spouse to come to you and say, hey, you know that whole communication thing? Yeah, I'm not so good at that. I know it's important to you, but I've tried it, and it's just not my thing. So, you know, for the rest of our marriage, I'm going to be pretty much checked out. 
you're not going to hear too much from me. Now, if the house is on fire, you know, if we're in an accident or there's an emergency, yes, you'll hear from me, but, but I'm going to be pretty much on autopilot for the rest of this relationship. Now, you're thinking, here's the perfect place to insert a joke, right? But no joke coming. Because really, there is nothing funny about a husband and a wife who can't communicate. We all know that that's toxic. We all know that it'll destroy any kind of relationship, any kind of relationship for that matter, a friendship, you know, a casual acquaintance. If you don't communicate, that relationship doesn't grow. What do you think our relationship with God becomes when we just quit communicating with Him? You know, I've tried it. I'm not very good at it. I don't get it. So I, I'm just not going to do it. It doesn't work with a spouse. It's not going to work with God. Communication is key to, to any relationship. So I know some of you are wired in ways that you like bullet points, you like lists, you like easy things to take notes on. So let me share with you a list of five things that might help Start a conversation when it comes to having a conversation with God. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it might get you started talking to God. And the first is this. Have a set time and place. Now, sociologists tell us it takes 21 days for something to become a habit. Get in the habit of talking to God at a specific time or a specific place. Maybe you're a morning person. Maybe you like to get up early in the morning and start your day. Start your day in prayer. Maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you hate getting up in the morning, but you've been told, I've got to get up first thing in the morning and pray to God, but I hate being up in the morning and no one likes being around me in the morning. I'm really not sure Jesus would like being around me in the morning, but I'm going to pray to him. And, you know, no. You know, find another time. Find another place. Just something that works for you where I'm just, this is my habit. Number two. A complete contradiction to number one, by the way. Don't get hung up on the time and place. (laughs) Find a time and place, but don't get hung up on the time and place. Could you imagine texting your best friend, call me right away, big news, got to talk to you. And then two hours later, you get a text back, I will call at 1126 right before Jimmy Fallon. We will talk for two and a half minutes. No, no, we've got to talk now. Something big just happened. We've got to talk. Don't get hung up on the time and place. You know, something happens, something gets you excited, something warns you. Oh, I've got to talk to God. I'm worried about that. I'm in over my head. Well, I've got to talk to God. Talk to God. Number three, be sure you praise God during the day. Be sure you thank God during the day. You know, it is so easy for us to kind of turn this thing all the way back on us. It's pretty easy to pray very selfish, self-centered prayers. But don't forget who the conversation is, that we're ha- who, who it is we're having the conversation with. We're talking to God. We're talking to Jehovah. Don't forget that. Number four, kind of brushed up against it already. Be completely honest with God. I don't know if we're completely honest with anyone, really, including ourselves. But we might as well be completely honest with God. Because I've already mentioned, He already knows everything about us. 
So just be real. Confess your failures. Confess your fears. It's a lot easier for me to confess my failures once I've confessed my fears. And then number five, and this is what I'm really trying to focus on in my prayer life. Pray that you walk in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit actually is involved in our prayers and our petitions to God. Galatians 5 tells us to uh, walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. There's a real temptation, I think, to ignore or at least marginalize the Holy Spirit's role in our prayer life. And we are living far beneath our privilege when that becomes the case. So maybe those five things will help jumpstart your conversation as you talk to God. But when you think about conversations, talking is only half of a conversation, right? And there's also listening. Sometimes you talk about what you want to talk about. Sometimes when you're talking to someone, you talk about what they want to talk about. There's some give and take in a conversation, right? But most of us are much more focused on talking than we are listening. Most of us are much better talkers than we are listeners. In fact, most of the time when we're listening, we're really listening for an opportunity to start talking again. There's a lot of things about my prayer life that I'm trying to get better at doing, but at the top of my list is I want to get better at listening. James tells us to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, Most people are not quick to listen, especially when it comes to our prayer life. And really, when you think about it, we live in a culture where we seem to be very uncomfortable with silence. You think about how many times you are just in complete silence. I bet there's not many. There's always background music playing somewhere. There's always some kind of noise. There's always a conversation somewhere. A television is on. I sleep with white noise from a sound machine. There's not too many times in my day where things are just completely quiet. But if we're talking about a conversation, then half of our conversation with God, at least half of our conversation with God, should be spent listening to God. So, let me give you a couple hints and tips on listening to God. And again, not an exhaustive list. But maybe some suggestions to help you get into a rhythm of listening for the voice of God. And the first one, I guess, is, is probably too obvious, but uh, just be still. You know, Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Just slow down. Pump the brakes a little bit. Try to get rid of the distractions. You know, turn off the phone. Turn off the television. <laughs> You families with small kids, this is almost impossible, I know. It's just hard. It's busy. But I think it's okay to tell your kids sometimes, I can't right now, I'm talking to God. I think your kids would do well to hear you say that sometimes. Be with you in a minute, right now I'm talking to God. Slow down. Be still. Number two, listen to Scripture. Now, God's Word is active. God's Word is alive, and it will speak to you. God will speak to you through Scripture. You need to get in the habit of reading Scripture. 
with an expectation that God's trying to tell me something. And that's why I love the Discovery Bible study so much. Because when I look at just one passage of Scripture and I focus just on that passage, I'm really convinced God wants me to read this passage today. I'm not sure why, but God wants me to see this passage and God's trying to tell me something in this passage. Of course, this means you've got to read the Bible. I'm assuming you're going to do that. When you read the Bible, read it with an expectation. God's trying to tell me something. Number four. What if we uh, started each day by praying Samuel's prayer? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What if we started every day just acknowledging, God, I'm going to pay attention to what you might have to say to me today. And not in an audible voice, but God speaks to us in so many ways. Um, Here's number four. Surround yourself with godly friends. Surround yourself with people who are going to speak truth to you. This is really important. You know, Proverbs 27 talks about iron sharpening iron. What that means is when we're around other people who love God, we're better, we're sharper. We, we, we help each other. Again, I think it's one of the healthy things that comes from being in a life group, from being part of a Bible class, a, a situation where you're sharing your life with people who are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Which brings me to number five. And we don't really think about this maybe when we talk about our prayer life, but, but it's important when it comes to listening to God, and that is come to church. Congratulations. You've already checked one of them off the list. Here you are. But listen to this. What if you got here early? I know, crazy, right? But what if you came here early and you actually were expecting God to somehow speak to you through our worship time? What if you came here with an expectation that I'm going to hear from God today? And and maybe it's a phrase in a song that we sing. Has that ever happened to you? You sing a song we've sung a thousand times, but for some reason you sing this phrase, and boy, it just, it hits you. Maybe it's a, a passage that you hear in a sermon. Maybe it's a comment that you hear in a class. Maybe it's just a conversation you have in the parking lot. What if you came here with this intoxicating expectation that God has something that He wants to speak to my heart? You say, well, hey, that's not the way it works. I would argue that's exactly the way it works. In fact, I would argue if you worship God and we worship together and God is not speaking to your heart, either we're doing something wrong or you're not listening because God wants to speak to your heart this morning. And I want us all to have a sense of, God, I'm here to listen to whatever message you might have for me personally, not just us collectively. What message do you have for me personally today? And so to that point, I want to try doing something this morning. I have no idea how effective it will be. I suspect that it will be about as effective as is your capacity to listen. But uh, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you to listen to what I am reading. And I'm going to tell you everything that I am about to read is straight from Scripture. 
In fact, I'll, I'll have the references with me afterwards if you want to see them. Um, all straight, actually, from the voice of God. All straight from the heart of Abba Father. It's just a list of the overwhelming evidence of how much God wants to prove His love for us. So, if you think God is somehow distant, if you think God is uninvolved, if you think God is angry, if you think God is a a little bit even abusive, maybe, I want you to listen and let Him convince you of how much He loves you. And then, after this reading, I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed. And I'm going to ask you to keep listening. And I'll tell you right now, it's going to be awkward. Because we don't like silence. But I want you to just keep listening for the word from God. So go ahead, bow your head, close your eyes. This is from God. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down. I know when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant. I am not angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you're my child and I am your father. I offer more than your, heavenly, than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I will meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you or as countless as the sands on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it's I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more than you can possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carried a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I'll take away all the pain that you've suffered on this earth. I'm your father and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. 
He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I've always been father. I will always be father. I'm waiting for you. Love, your dad, almighty God. Now listen. Father, we thank you for the privilege of talking to you, and we thank you for the privilege of listening to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, as a church family, as always, we want to give you the opportunity to to ask for any prayers that might be on your heart or, or things going on in your life. Maybe you just want to share some good news and praise report with the family here. If we can minister to you in any way, there'll be some people at the front of the auditorium, and and you can meet us there. Let's stand and sing.